1: Learn more at marines.com.
0: Hello, and welcome to another match day edition of the Leads That podcast. I'm James, and today I'm joined by Andy. Hello, James. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks, mate. We have a slightly reduced team today. And uh, a slight change to the format, um, we are just recording the post-match today, so we've already lived through the nightmare that was Leeds United versus West Ham at Ellen Road, which finished 2-1 to West Ham. But we've got some new nice floodlights, diamond-shaped. Yeah,
1: there's got to be some positives to take, haven't there, because that was pretty poor, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, I mean, going into the game, I've, um, I don't feel fond of West Ham at all, I think vice chair was it? Is it Karen Brady the woman from TV who she's she's on the, the board oh, there Christ
1: I, I forgot about them until just now thanks mate now I'm even more annoyed yeah. and she was calling for the bloody
0: league to be void back in uh, the original lockdown earlier on this year and the the fans are alright I don't mind West Ham fans I know a West Ham fan who's a nice guy but it's just the whole like you know moving from the Berlin ground or Upton Park to to the olympic stadium and that bloody running track and being 100 meters away from the pitch don't know just something not right about that
1: they have that kind of thing that liverpool fans have where they think that they're a massive club liverpool can back up because they are a massive club west ham think they are they've got a lot of history they've got a lot of very famous and very talented players that have played for them but they're not all what they think they are they're a bang average premier league side they've set up very well against us yesterday and did a job on us, and that's the most frustrating thing because they did do a great job on us. There was only one winner in that game; it was them. You,
0: t- you talk about the history as well, and there were some great um, video montages before the before the match kicked off of just some of the awesome goals and and things that happened over the years. One that sticks out is the the Tony Yaboa absolute thunder bastard of a left foot shot uh, down at the Billing Ground or Upton Park, as it was then. And, uh, yeah, it just brought back loads of fond memories of the fixture. And, you know, to be honest, we'd, we'd always... Well, we, they're a team that we've always done quite well against. But I noticed one person that scored, which surprised me, against West Ham, and that was Seth Johnson. Oh, God.
1: That's a very leads that stat for you to pluck out, isn't it? Jeez. One of my favourite away days was at Upton Park. And you're right, it's a shame that they've left that place because that was a bloody brilliant place to... Uh, to go visit for all the wrong reasons it was terrifying it was lovely it was just proper old school football and when I went there um when I went once Adam Clayton scored in like the 93rd minute or something to make it two all it went absolutely bonkers and it was amazing you miss those kind of grounds and those kind of games there's always a nice bit of edge between Leeds and West Ham and it's a shame there was no fans there last night the game started so well. We we came out the blocks
0: flying, and Liam Cooper intercepted a pass on the halfway line, and just played Bamford straight in on goal. This was in like second or third minute, and uh, Fabian their goalkeeper brought him down. In the old rules, he would have been sent off, but obviously double jeopardy. He was given a yellow card. Then Click stepped up and took that penalty, which was one of the worst penalties I've ever seen. Um, awful, right? <laughs> and I he knew it as well. we me just been harsh. Fortunately for. Us. VAR saw that Fabianski was off the line and, and he had to retake it. And on, on the second trial, he, he put it away. And you thought, you know, here we go. Come on, Leeds.
1: I'm obviously delighted that we got a second chance, but what a stupid rule that is. What, double jeopardy? Do you know, what I think? Do you know what? Double jeopardy is nonsense. VAR is n- nonsense. It's that coming off the line. I, I mean, obviously, if it's on the edge of this box, and yeah, there's a problem there. But uh, it, it wasn't much, was it? Meant to get a proper dive on it. He kind of saw the second one. He kind of fell over because he was scared to try and dive for it, wasn't he? It's just yeah, a exactly. stupid rule. I'm glad it worked for us, but flipping heck, what's the point in that? What a load of bollocks. It's another one of them, isn't it, where it becomes
0: a VAR talking point and you don't want VAR to be a talking point. I think even in the post-match, um, David Moyes, West Ham manager, was, was asked about it and he just sort of refused to talk about VAR and I thought, you know, fair play. I quite like that. They that just want to stick to talking about football.
1: The most troubling thing for me last night was obviously we know that we're, we're a nightmare from set pieces. We've run that for a while, and they're good from set pieces. The main issue for me was apart from that first run from Banford, and obviously there was a couple of chances, weren't there? But I didn't really see a threatening. As Soon as that first header went in for them, it was just waiting for the next corner or thing uh, or free kick to come in for them to end in. It was just waiting. I was obviously gutted, but I wasn't surprised when they scored.
0: Yeah, that was the worrying thing. I It felt a bit too much like the Chelsea game in that we weren't offering much in the final third and which was troubling. I thought hopefully going into that game we would have shook that off and it was just a one-off against Chelsea, but it to happen again was, was troubling and I read yesterday that 44% of all goals that we've um, conceded under Bielsa are from set pieces so what
1: do you think it is? I think a lot of it's good personnel um, when you're looking at it and you've got Stuart Dallas marking that guy who's like 20 foot tall and there's not what he could do Bedford and Green touching it quite well in the post match stuff I thought well look drag them out maybe double up if you have to, um, to stop these things happening and the danger people uh, but then obviously, leave an extra man short, it turns into a complete gamble. Maybe man-to-man marking's not the one in that scenario. I, I don't know the answer, mate. It, it, but it's simple kind of genetics, isn't it? If you put a small man against a tall man, the tall man's going to win the area, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and I, to be honest, I don't know whether this is factually true, but my gut feeling says that, you know, back when Pontus was in the team, we were probably... A a bit better in the air, you know, and, and he, he had like decent attempts on goal at the other end as well. Um And, you know, he, I think he was like six foot four, wasn't he? So yeah, I mean, uh, there was even, uh, I think on their first goal, he completely lost his man and, and even Cooper was loose. We looked weak in that position. So it wasn't just the height thing. It was like, well, actually, you know, you're not. Even up, it? Yeah. So I think there's a, I think there is a couple of things, like you say, genetics and probably something does have to change structurally and set pieces. But the the issue we have is that I don't think anything will because it's Bielsa's way. This is how we, this is what he believes in. This is his philosophy for playing. and, And I just can't see it really changing, which worries me slightly, particularly when we have games where we're dry of chances on goal at the other end.
1: A lot of it, I think, also comes down to something else that won't change, which is squad depth. Because if you look at it, as soon as you put cock into that team, it was very good in the air. You've also got ailing at right back, who's also not short, is he, I suppose. And not, they're not big, but then you've got three out of your four who are decent height, haven't you? And Cock is decent in the air. And
0: on that as well, obviously, like you say, squad depth, Cock got crocked. So yeah, I mean, we don't know how long he's going to be out for. It could be a month. It could be three months. And, it's a shame because we were starting to see some consistency there from what was being swapped around constantly over the first few games. And and that kind of helped us at the back, but you know, we can't sort of make excuses really. I think West Ham set themselves up really well. Although we had a lot of possession, we just, we just struggled, let's be honest. And I think, um, Rafinha and Rodrigo looked strong when they when they were on the ball it was just the final pass that let them down and I think Rodrigo in particular and he'll it, and be disappointed but I saw the were some stats that basically just showed that a lot of his his, his passes in the final third were, were missed and that could be West Ham putting us under good pressure or it could simply be that he made mistakes and and to be honest like it's one of those things you know he has been off injured with with covid and has that affected his fitness and you know his sharpness going into games is is going to be hard to get to and it's going to take some time you know you can't really hold it against him
1: no but you'd, you'd like to think that a 27 million quid player is going to bang the header in the top corner in the last minute wouldn't you frustrating that but, thing going. I mean, the whole game was frustrating mate you've touched on it i was chatting to one of my mates during the game and just said look the reason we're not getting anywhere is because west ham are so bloody rigid they're set up so flat and defensive that they want to just counter on you, and they did it well. That Jared Bowen always has an awesome game against us. Same again yesterday. Ben with the little greasy thing, always has a good game against us. Don't always score, but he causes us problems, and he did again yesterday. I think the only thing we can take as a positive is how dominant we were against their striker Halle. But even he could have had a trick if he uh, <laughs> if he could find his boots. He went for Melier making
0: a couple of quality saves. Yeah, that's it. And I think um Melia did have a, a fantastic game again. It's like I just can't believe he's 20 years old. He just seems so much more assured. When you think um you know in comparison to him and Bailey Peacock-Farrell and Goal it's just the worlds apart. I mean, in terms of confidence and and their overall ability in terms of passing and distribution and and natural shot-stopping, he's just a, such an awesome keeper.
1: He's an absolute freak, mate. He's got the uh, the body of a 12-year-old and the voice of uh, Barry White, and not he? He's just an absolute monster.
0: He is the sort of person you'd like to sing your lullabies to sleep, isn't he?
1: That's a bit creepy. Sign me up. I'll have two, please.
0: So we also made a couple of changes at halftime. Uh, Harrison came off, as well as uh, Alioski they were sort of struggling to make an impact on the game. And and I think Harrison's coming to quite a bit of criticism on social media recently, which I think is harsh. And there's a few things really, but one of them is that I think we have to be accepting that a lot of these players haven't played in the Premier League. It doesn't mean they're not good enough to play in the Premier League, but I just think they're not used to it. And there's a there's a steep learning curve for them. And I think it will sort out those who can and those who can't over the next few games. But I think there is a lot of ability in there. And I think Harrison is is one of them. Yeah, it seems harsh the criticism because people are sort of a very sort of bitter and angry when we're losing. But, you know, even Ch- Jamie Shockleton and, and Helder Costa came on And they struggled to influence the game as well. What were your thoughts seeing them play?
1: There were too many people having off games yesterday. There were too many that were just playing okay and still making mistakes. Even players who had a good game, in my opinion, still had a mistake in them. So Melier, for example, was outstanding, but the first goal was positioned all over the shop. Granted, he's made a couple of world-class ones to stop, other ones going in, but still had a mistake. Cooper, I thought, played very well, then had two very dodgy moments. One when he tried to slide in and get the ball and missed it by a country mile Where Four nails, just put it wide. Probably 4 the bonner a goal. They probably should have done a bit better there. But other than that, he's like running forward, taking it on, setting up Bamford straight away. Everybody just seemed to just be a little bit off the boil yesterday. And you can't afford that in team sports. And team sports, out of 11, if you're going to successfully do well, you did at least eight have them playing well. Not having kind of eight playing all right and making a mistake, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I mean, I'm not about to compare any of our players to this person, but... I watched the uh, the Diego Maradona documentary from about a year ago the other day and what I it found really standard, interesting that, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. I highly recommend it to anyone who's not seen it. And it is about his time in Naples and uh, at Napoli and one of the first things he talks about when he first goes over there is how much he struggled to adjust to Italian football and it took him like, you know, half a season a season to really understand what element of his game he needed to develop. And I think, you know, there's the, there's a lot of that with playing in the Premier League, they're playing against the best players in the world, like week in, week out. So they're going to have to adjust their game. They're going to have to learn and they're going to have to adapt. And like I say, certainly a lot of these players haven't played in the Premier League before. So there is a really steep learning curve. I think even Cooper said in his post-match at Chelsea, you know, he's like, you know, we are learning week in, week out and we'll we'll go back and we'll work on it in training and come out again. And it's, it's true. And I think as fans, you just have to accept that and, understand that there are going to be mistakes. There are going to be tough games, really tough games.
1: It's disappointing because this is one of the ones you're doing, Matt, to uh, to go and get a win at, at the games that we've got and the ones that we need to be picking points up in. I think we said at the start of the season. It's all good and well getting giddy because we did really well against Liverpool and Man City, but it accounts for now unless you crack on and win the games that you should be winning or picking, at least picking up points. Because West Ham are a good team, as you say, but they've got quite a few championship players who've, who've made the step up in there, like your Bowens and your Ben Ramas, Declan Rice had a decent game. They've got a couple of decent center outs, but they're not world beaters. That's what's disappointing. And you look at the next game against Newcastle now, which has flown around. And for me, that's now become a must-win.
0: Yeah, you are right. And and West Ham, I obviously I mentioned that we are playing... Top players in the world, and we are in most scenarios. And and West Ham is one of those where you did think, oh, there's potential for us to pick up three points here." And that—that is what makes it so disappointing. But one thing that I've that's been sort of stirring around in my mind is that the fact that so many people on social media, like like always, when when we're when we lose, and you know we're in an uncertain situation where it's like, "Oh God, we're, we're quite close to the the relegation zone," and and they just sort of call for people's heads and like, you know, say, oh, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be playing. He should definitely be dropped. Oh, He's not God. enough. Leave, et cetera. And for me, like, I really, I'm finding it really hard, like on a moral level because we've not oh, ever wait. even.
1: had Follow different people. It's just a cesspool of negativity and knowledge, isn't it? Morally it's wrong
0: because we haven't even had a chance to celebrate the fact that we went up from the championship with the players, have we? We haven't even had a chance to really celebrate it with our mates and being aground watching football and and to then just be writing players off, having not even seen them like in the flesh and celebrated with them and enjoyed the positive moments. Everyone's just like on their backs. And I just feel sorry for them and I feel sorry for this that vibe that sort of goes around. It's I don't know, it's not nice. It feels a bit sort of toxic, so I try and avoid it. But do you know what I mean though? It's like you can't everyone's wanting to change the squad and buy new players and wholesale changes. And you just think these guys need a shot at the Premier League. They've they they need to learn. They need time to learn. And let's hope there's enough time to pick up enough points on the
1: board and still be in next season. Oh mate, I'm not worried about going down. You could quote me on that. nah, what's the date? Today's the 12th of December. I ain't worried about us going down. It's just, people could jump at me and i They'll do what you want. If we can get through this season, like you say, just kind of coast through, make a couple of tweaks and we'll be absolutely fine. Just, I think we just need a little bit more competition and a bit more fitness. I know we've got the fittest squad when, the, when we're playing. The injuries that the new guys have had must be them getting up to speed and not used to the bodies going through this. Surely, you'd probably got to think. And every player that we seem to have gets better on the second season, don't they? Jack Harrison's second season was better. Of course, the start of the season this year were great. I know they did nothing yesterday, but no one really had a chance to. Everyone got snuffled out. There's no movement in front of you. There's not much you can do, is there? But before we kind of crack on with that, the most disappointing thing was, well, the set pieces we gave away were completely avoidable. So maybe, the, maybe there's a lack of discipline that needs to be instilled there because it was frustration. Uh, I've got no doubt. We gave away quite a few needless ones. Rodrigo gave away one. I'm thinking, why have you done that? What is the point in that? was it Costa, the last one, or was it Rodrigo? Yeah, someone's giving away a dumb free kick and it's like, why man? Why? Yeah. You know the bloody Lambda
0: Giants. It is is frustrating. That was one of the things where, you know, even the commentators were saying, you know, we know how dodgy leads are at set pieces and, Giving away free kicks in those areas, and you think, "Oh God, here we go!" Because it's true. Like that, annoying as it is, them saying it out loud, it's it's true. And it's, and, it, and it's funny that you mentioned the Rodrigo one as well, because I thought that as well when he gave that away. Because I thought, "Oh bloody hell, there we go!" Because he gave away the penalty obviously when he came on as a, a sub against Liverpool in the first game, and it was just that typical striker or attacking player's defensive player has just sort of swung a leg and it's lazy and just think oh god we've got to work on that if that
1: uh, you you know because you actually do play sport when on the, on the odd occasion where i've got out of breath walking up the stairs you know that <laughs> when you're tired and you gas your brain does do dumb things That's why people miss isn't isn't it because you don't you you can't compute there's enough oxygen with your brain to do what you want it to tell your foot to do maybe there's a bit of that but
0: so we've actually only won at Ellen Road once this season so far. It is actually another game where Bamford hasn't scored at home. Is that purely coincidental? What could actually make a difference there?
1: I don't know. I don't think he I don't think he did much wrong last night. I think he'd have scored if Fabianska wiped him out. I think he put one just wide, did he? In a soft header as well. But I I don't think there's much in it. I think it's just the amount of chances that he give him. Give him, his more opportunities, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, I think Patrick had a, a good game and he's, he's, a, he's a good player in this system and you, and you can see it working. And yeah, he didn't really do anything wrong yesterday. I think it was just overall weak by the team and just disappointing, let's be honest.
1: And please don't think I'm hating on Tyler Roberts because I like Tyler Roberts. I think he's got a role to play. But when he came on for Bamford, are going to push Rodrigo up top? And they didn't. And Tyler, yeah, I know he's a great finisher in that but it's not enough minutes or enough time to make a, any impact on Premier League yet. And I know you're only going to get that when you're doing well, but remember when you're winning, you've got a team open. Don't bring one to chase a game. That's when you need someone. Mm. That's when I'm thinking, oh, I wish we had Eddie and Ketty on the bench from last season. Wish yeah. we had like an extra striker behind. Or maybe you would have brought Pablo's, don't know what Pablo's fitness tactic take Pablo on and push Rodrigo up
0: top one thing that I've, I thought that was quite cute in the week was that um, Bielsa has apparently been sending uh, videos of a specific player to Patrick Bamford to help him work on his game who do you think that player is?
1: Alfie's son innit?
0: <laughs> yeah Erling Haaland he's been sending videos of him I love that would you take Erling Haaland?
1: that's, that's what I was going to say mate in some, in some universe far far away he's in our squad and we're winning the Champions League <laughs>
0: Maybe that universe is a season or two seasons away.
1: Oh, mate. Maybe it's maybe it's January and next season we we'll win the Champions League. Who knows? Um, <laughs> you can probably tell in my voice, I'm tired and I'm downbeat. It, it's frustrating what a loss does to you it? and the impact it has on you. They seem to last longer. I've been in a mood all day. I'll be in a mood tomorrow. We can bounce back on Wednesday, can't we? Can we? Please tell me we can. I
0: completely agree. It is frustrating and it takes a while to pick yourself up. <laughs> so I think everyone feels the same. Newcastle's a really tricky one, isn't it? It's, yeah, a tough game. Always a tough game for Newcastle. And the trouble is, is I don't know what any of these teams are like now. So in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, we can beat Newcastle. Why not? But well, every game. That,
1: yeah, and the thing is, you're right on this day. I honestly believe we can beat anybody if we play to our awesome best and players fast-flowing crazy mental football will do anybody but when we're not quite ticking we are not bother
0: yeah that's it so let's hope we are ticking on the tune on uh wednesday night which is an amazon prime game first one for leeds i suppose
1: yeah it's gonna be interesting trying to catch that one it's uh flo's
0: birthday oh oh nice good luck with that um jump into uh, man of the match just want to say that the calvin phillips raffle is still online if you want to uh
1: before we get into the calvin phillips man of the match the calvin phillips man of the match award this week is sponsored by (laughs) yeah
0: so uh yeah if you want to win um or if you want a chance to win calvin phillips england shirt signed by calvin phillips and uh yeah then go to leads forward slash donate and follow the details to enter to to win. It's £5 per entry. The main thing about this is it supports a brilliant charity. Um, it's the Food Bank at Holbeck, which is run by Slung Low, which is a theatre group company who are doing amazing stuff over there. Every penny counts, so please, please, please go over there and uh, and enter if you've got some spare cash.
1: And if you've got even more spare cash, which I know is a hard time at year, it's been a bloody awful year, them poor sods have been robbed recently and they're doing some great work. So, those heart goes out to them, if you've got anything or any food, whatever, just, just get in touch with them. They're good people. On to the Calvin Phillips Man of the Match Award. Well, it's, it's strange. You have been ranting earlier saying, oh, no one was consistent throughout. Calvin probably yeah. well. I don't think Calvin did too much wrong, but I thought Luke Aylin had a good game of being pushed into centre-half. It there. I don't think he did too much wrong. I also thought Cooper did well apart from the mistakes that I mentioned but if it weren't for Melier, again I said he's made a mistake but Melier's kept it, kept us in it and kept the score down on it.
0: Yeah your thoughts were along the same line as mine like I'm torn between Aylin and, and Melier I thought Aylin was really really good and it was more the fact that he was just commanding people really well. One of their attempts on goal and he sort of really glared at someone who'd made a mistake and he just seemed to be on his A game and didn't really seem to put a foot wrong and it was a shame um, it ended the way it did for him particularly as well but yeah I think it has to be Melio for me I, th- I just think yeah the g- the game would have been beyond reach a lot sooner if it wasn't for him being on the pitch I thought he was immense and you know he did keep us in it and again he is just 20 years old he, <laughs> he's a phenomenon and um, I'm excited that he's a Leeds player and Let's see what the future brings. But it would be nice to give um, a Man of the Match award to an outfield player when we've won a match for a change. Andy, what's your final word?
1: Final words, rigid, mate. I thought that they were very rigid in the way they set up and we couldn't break them down. And there was no fluidity to our performance off the back of that. Everyone looked a bit rigid. James? Home.
0: I want to know when we can go back to Ellen Road. It's bugging me now. It's hard seeing a lot of fans at other grounds. And I know it's going to be watered down and there's only going to be a few thousand, but still it'd be nice for whoever it is to end up in the ground and see a few games. But yeah, onwards and upwards after this week. Newcastle next. And let's go get something out of that. I think it'd be brilliant to get some points up on the Tainsay Lake. It's at home, is and, and Well, uh... I didn't even know that lake. I know, that's it. That's precisely it. We've said this before, that we just lose track of when we're playing at home and away because we're not preparing for it, which is sad. Well, let's go and have a, another win. We need another win at Ellen Road. If we need our second one of the season.
1: And I think aren't they reviewing all tears and that on Wednesday or Thursday or something? So we might get a chance to get in.
0: That'd be good. Just any fans in the ground would be nice.
1: Right. We'll go into a competition. Give some money to slung low if you can and try with yourselves a Calvin Phillips signed England shirt. We'll see well. We'll speak to you wonderful humans again. Some time after the Newcastle match. Network.